Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port guiding you through your fair, uh, Friday afternoon. Jay Thomas will uh, be up next. The first, we got an hour of uh, talk radio excellence to get through. Good afternoon, Natil. Good afternoon, Rob. Going to be joined by Congressman Kevin Kramer. We'll be doing uh, that town hall, which normally we will be doing on Wednesdays, but today, uh, today and next week, due to scheduling issues, we're doing it on Friday. So, who does he he'll... think he is? A congressman? Uh, yeah, I don't. I, don't... <laughs> I, I, when, when, um, you know, when we put this together, you know, because Kevin is is a super. He's probably the most outspoken of our congressional delegation. In some ways, I, I guess depending on your perspective, you could say he's probably the most polarizing. I mean, he's he's definitely. I don't think Kevin ever leaves any ambiguity about where he's at on an issue, which, you know, makes him a little bit more controversial than normal. But I also think there's a level of honesty there. Um, at least you don't have to guess where he's at, even if you don't like where he's at. You don't have to guess at it. He'll just tell you. And, you know, Kevin's willing to do these these weekly segments. Um, you know, most of our statewide leaders don't don't commit to this level of access. I thought it was important to put him on the show. So today we're doing the first one. We'll be doing at least one every week. We may have to move them around a little bit to accommodate his schedule, but we are going to get to it every week, barring some a holiday or something like that. So anyway, that's coming up at 1.30. It'll be open phones. You can ask your comments, questions. You can also email them to uh, talk at WDAY.com. You can join in right now as well, 701-293-9000, I'm looking forward to it. Um Letter of the editor today, Natil, uh, taking me to task for $10 words. Oh, boy, but I love $10 words. Yeah. I don't, you know, the funny thing is, is I've, I've heard that criticism a few times now, I, I guess. Um, and, and, and the words in question, I guess, that the letter writer was taking issue. And it was, I had written something about the anti-discrimination legislation, which failed again in the state house. And I, I pointed out that the, that the proponents of the legislation have pretty much just been doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, they're introducing the same bill again and again and again. There's been no effort to put the issue on the statewide ballot. And, I, I mean, to me, I, I just wonder, I, at what point do you try a different tactic? I mean, at what point do you try something else? Because... Every time they put it on, it fails. The Democrats go out and raise a bunch of money on it. It almost seems like the way they're approaching the issue is, is more about fundraising than it is about solving the problem or even, even chopping up the policy in, in, into, into smaller parts, maybe some of which Republicans would be willing to pass. You know, So I wrote that, and then he was upset because I guess the term I used was Sisyphean, um, a reference to the the... the Greek story about Sisyphus, right? The guy rolls the boulder up the hill again and again. That was his punishment. And then just keeps rolling back gods. down at him, and he, yeah, it, he, right. he does it for forever. So if you call something Sisyphean, it means you keep doing something over over again, and you keep failing at it. And so obviously, an you know a a a an accurate term for the situation with Democrats and and this particular legislation, they keep rolling the ball the boulder up the hill, and it keeps rolling back down the hill. Um, you know, and I, I use the term to illustrate the futility of what they're doing now in hopes of maybe urging them to do something else and find some common ground, and maybe we can move this ball up the field a little bit and find some common ground everybody can agree with. Um, and he didn't like that I used that term. 
uh, and I guess you didn't like that I used the term sycophants either, which I, which I don't even think sycophants is a $10 word. That's a pretty common word. I hear that word a lot. How is that a $10 word? I don't know that I hear that word a lot, but then again, you know, it's it's not an... I, I always have a problem when people get upset about the use of high-class or high-brow language in general, because if we don't use those words, then they go away. Yeah. And well, those words have very specific meanings and communicate very specific intentions. I, I I like to reach for those words. I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm a little bit of a bibliophile in, in that I, I love books. My nose is in a book all the time. Everywhere I go, I've usually I've got my Kindle in my pocket or I've got my Kindle app on my phone. And that's just I mean, I'll I'll be standing in line at the bank and I'll pull out my Kindle and, and read a couple of pages. Right. I mean, that's just how I am. I, I like to read. And, and so from that, I run across a lot of cool words. I think words are fun. And I think it's it's fun to, to find exactly the right word for a situation that's not the same word or term or idiom that everybody else is using all the time. Because I hear things all the time, and it drives me nuts. I mean, the people that use the same terms, I hate the term have my back, right? Like, you got my back, you got my back. You know, I hate, people use that all the time. I hate it. I I don't, you know, so I, I there's so much cliche out there, and I think sometimes... If you if you put a little effort in and you find a different word, you know, you can it can be a more effective sort of communication because you're not just using the same terminology that everybody else uses. So I completely agree. And, you know, you might be biased because you're a bibliophile. I might be biased because one of my degrees is in English. Yeah. So maybe maybe we're just the wrong people to get up in arms about this or maybe we're the right, right. people to get up in arms about it. But the cause will never be never advance far enough <laughs> you know I, I mean to me i like it when i run across a word that i don't know right i think it's cool because i i think i think the etymology of words is, is just is fascinating i like if i came across a term like sisyphean there's a very rich story behind that term right i mean it refers to a greek myth it's a very cool story go check it out understand it if you don't if you don't see it, if you don't understand a word look it up words are cool dictionaries are cool we used to have Very one cool. of those giant dictionaries in my high school library that sat on a giant podium and nobody else ever seemed to touch it. But I loved that thing. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. I, one of the things I like best about my Kindle um, is that I can I can long press on a word and it, it pops up the dictionary of that, you know, the, the dictionary definition of that word. And then also like Wikipedia, if, if there's like a relevant entry for it as well. Which in it sometimes if I'm if I'm reading a book, I will I will find myself diverged from the story, you know, distracted from the story, led down you know some some rabbit hole because I found some interesting word or term, and now next thing I know, I spent two hours googling around about that word or that whatever, and it's it's so bad that when I'm reading like something in print, like I checked out a book from the library the other day. And I'm sitting there reading the book, and I, I found myself, I put my finger on the page trying to get the page to oh pop God. up the diction. Yeah. Not good. Got a call on the line. David, what's up? Hey, Rob. When I'm reading the newspaper in the morning, last thing I want to be doing is Googling some word to figure out what it is. I just want to be able to read the article, understand what the, the writer said. I don't want an English class. 
That being said, I don't mind an occasional word, but if it starts happening too much and there's verbiage that I don't know or, yeah. to be honest, I don't care about Greek mythology, I just want to know a uh, political opinion on something. Okay. I think it can be distracting. Okay, I... I think that's a fair criticism. I, I, I think it is possible for to get too cute with it, right? To, to get carried away to where you're you're purposely just inserting a bunch of, of really long words just for the sake of putting them in. So it's a balance. It's a craft. I, I think. I, what do you think? I mean, you read you read what I write. Do you think I get too carried away with it? I have not really noticed it, but I don't. I don't read okay. every article you write. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I see your headlines a lot <laughs> on Facebook, and then sometimes I'll go and I'll read part of it. And I kind of, I kind of skim over it. I don't necessarily read a hundred percent. You know, everything. So I don't know. I, I have, to be honest, I haven't noticed anything, but I can see because I have noticed some people who write and love to use flowery words, which is it's great. They're showing off that they're that they're more educated, that they've got you know an English background, and it's kind of a hobby of theirs but at the same time you don't want to have sure. like you said dumb down language either well you can't you can't have it you you can't i mean it's great to use fun words you can't let it def- defeat the effectiveness of your message though right i mean if you if you use it to the point where you lose the reader you know what's the point right if they're not it, reading what you're writing you've defeated it's it. a tough call because yeah. you you use you said you use the term sycophant to me everyone knows what sycophant is but right. maybe i'm wrong so, <laughs> well, that was one of the words he complained about. The other was yeah. if, if if I if I said something was Sisyphean, would would you have would you have understood no. that? No. I would have known. I probably would have googled it. You know, yeah. What's actually talking about? Uh, yeah, I don't. It's I don't a know. cool myth. Is that, you said it's Greek mythology. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I don't know anything about Greek mythology to be honest. Oh, cool. Maybe, maybe it would be your impetus to learn something. It'd be cool. But but yeah, but like I said, you know, when I'm reading the paper in the morning. Sure. Not generally what I'm after. I I, I get that. I, I get that, and I understand it. And it is it is definitely it is definitely a balance. I, and I I I keep that in mind. I try not to get carried away. And and not that I'm some wordsmith who is you know I'm I'm not trying to make myself out to be Hemingway here. I, I'm just you know sometimes I use fun words that I think are fun or words that I think fit that might be a little bit more obscure and. You know, I think I strike As the right writer, balance. It's your prerogative too. Yeah, you know, I'm sure there's some people that love it. You can't yeah. please everyone. That's true. Boy, is that true, David? Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. <laughs> More to come. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port here on the Rob Report, 701-293-9000. That's your local number, 888-970-9329. Congressman Kevin Kramer on next. Open phones, your comments or questions, or if you don't have any, I'll ask some. Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, you know what's interesting? Just, just not, not that I wanted to spend the whole first part of the show talking about this, but what's been interesting to me is all, all the letter writers, and I've 
been inspiring a few. Um, what's been interesting is 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 the criticism I get between the letter writers and social media and emails and everything. Is that is it's it's interesting how people perceive you just sort of based on like the very last thing that they've read. Because I get everything that I'm I'm this right wing demagogue, right? I'm just I'm this this horrible, awful and, and there is no question that I am right of center politically. Um I sometimes don't very easily I, I tend to be socially liberal on some issues, but you know, generally, yeah, I'm right of center conservative. Um conservative libertarian even, I, I guess you could say. Um so I, I have that, but then on the, on the right, I have the people who are like, you know, I'm, I'm a sellout because I went to work for Forum Communications, and I'm this awful person, and I write negative things about Republicans sometimes, and it, it's remarkable how much of that is out there. And I'm I'm sure other people who do this have had similar reactions, and it's it, it's funny just how much of it is just just sort of people just just knee jerk. Whatever the last thing they heard, just sort of a knee-jerk reaction to everything. Um, it's remarkable that that's out there. I I, I wish people, because it, it is it is so clear to me that when when somebody reacts, and I I can sometimes watch the same person react. I mean, one, I'll see them commenting on on one thread, and I'm the best thing since sliced bread, and then the next thread, you know, I'm just the worst person in the world. And maybe these are the idiots that none of us should even be paying attention to. You know, I mean, that's that's supposed to the, the best and the worst thing about the Internet, right? I mean, the best thing about the Internet is everybody has a say. That's also the worst thing about the Internet. Some people I, I just we don't really need to hear from. 701-293-9000, You know, uh, the other thing, initiated measures, and I've been harping on initiated measures for a while. Uh, earlier this week, the state Senate passed legislation to form a commission um, and would have you know various members. There'd be three members of the public appointed by the governor. There'd be some lawmakers. There'd be uh, some representatives of some of the groups, the North Dakota Newspaper Association, the Farm Bureau, the Farmers Union, North Dakota United, which is sort of the, the combined public workers and teachers association. Um, would have a bunch of these people who would get together. There would be tribal involvement. I think I think there would be a tribal representative appointed by the North Dakota Indian Affairs Commissioner. Um, and, and the commission would look at the initiated measure process and, and recommend potential changes. Passed by a wide margin in the state Senate earlier this week, heads over to the House. The Bismarck Tribune um, had an editorial today where they're sort of, you know, saying that, that you know, the initiated measure process has served North Dakota well. And I just don't think that that's true. And I know that's a tough sell, especially now in, in this very populist age that we're living in. America's probably a more populous country than it's ever been, thanks in no small part to social media. And so I, I, I guess what, what, what I think of when I'm, I'm watching these reactions to my work online and, and in the, the newspapers and everything and how – they're all just very emotional, very knee-jerk, very very influenced, not by maybe a, a full understanding of, of what I'm getting at, but just sort of how whatever the last thing I read, I wrote made them feel. 
and, and I think of how that applies to the initiated measure process, right? Because so much of it is colored by television ads, right? I mean, how, how many people, for instance, Marzi's Law, which was dozens of pages of law, which got stuffed into our state constitution. Nadil, how many people who voted for Marzi's Law do you think actually read it? Probably not that many. I, I mean... I would assume that some did because I firmly believe that there are other people besides you and I that are informed sure. voters. Right. But I don't think that We're everybody. We're not the majority. No, I don't, majority I don't think that everybody that voted for Marcy's Law read the full thing. Right. So what are they basing their opinion on then? The the advertisements and things like that, that they yeah. hear. I mean, and that's why that's why so many groups put so many dollars into those advertisements. Is that how we want to make public? I mean, because you're, you're talking about complicated Public, I mean, you're talking about dozens of pages of legal language that are now in our state constitution. Absolutely. That was approved by people who really knew nothing more about it than a television ad that they saw. And they probably really only saw a television ad from one side of that debate because one side of that debate had a billionaire funding the campaign uh, and the other side did not. Did not have the money to necessarily run ads or match them point to point. And, and so that's. To me, that is very problematic. I mean, even even the medical marijuana issue, which, you know, I get it. I understand why voters voted for it. I'm not even that opposed to the outcome, but the measure was horribly written. I mean, if if people really read it and understood it, they would have understood that it didn't decriminalize medical marijuana. I mean, that slipped through. That is, you know, if, if the legislature hadn't acted, we would have on statute a, a method by which you could grow medical marijuana that could also get you convicted under the criminal code. That would be the reality. And so how, how could the initiated measure process be serving North Dakota well if, if that's true? I, I mean, it's just this expectation that we are going to put complicated policy on the ballot and expect voters to know what they're voting for is a little silly. It's a little silly. I, I hear the Bismarck Tribune saying, you know, it's, it's served North Dakota well. I don't think that it has. And I think people are afraid to say it because they'll get lambasted for saying um, you know, running afoul of the will of the people, right? I mean, nobody wants to, to make it themselves sound to be anti-democratic, but direct democracy stinks. It's a really bad way to make policy. The American government was a balance between allowing self-governance, allowing government that is based on the will of the people without turning into a direct democracy. They wanted to protect against that. That was a place they didn't want to go. Well, the initiated measure process is direct democracy. So it's it's a sacred cow, and, and we ought to be willing to be more critical of it. Congressman Kramer, coming up next. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. You know, we were talking about using big words uh, the first part of the show because I guess I got some criticism from... I've I've received it from a few people. I guess for using words that people sometimes have to look up, which... uh, My response, I guess, is, hey, look it up. You might learn something. Randy emails, Rob, there is always room for proper elocution. That being said, if we want to get along in this world, there is no place for personal vituperation. Like Randy's a little bit of a smart ass. All right. 
701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We have on with us right now Congressman Kevin Kramer. If you have questions or comments, you can get them in. Kevin, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Rob. I, I feel badly because here's our first week of regularly doing this, and I had to move it a couple of days. Well, first two weeks. I think, I think we're on Friday yeah, next right. week. There you yeah. go, two weeks, yeah. that's right. You politicians are all the same. Yeah, yeah I will. <laughs> so uh, what, what, are, what are things like out in Washington, D.C. right now? Is it like living in an alternate universe? Because it looks that way from here. You know, it's sort of it's interesting. Alternate universe is probably not a bad way to put it. Um, you know, this is now I'm starting my fifth year, and it, there's no question it's different. It's different for me. I mean, I think it's always different when you're there a little longer. You're, you know, one more term is you know a little more prestigious. You get you know get more assignments, and but then having a Republican president, and then there's the whole Trump factor on top of all of that, and and just. You know, on top of the Trump factor, the fact that that I'm one of very few that supported him early and continue to support him, and I find myself with a whole bunch of people I know really well, you know, sitting in the West Wing of the White House and and a president and a vice president I know, and it's it's it is sort of an alternate universe. And at the same time, Rob, I'll say this to you: it's not. It's mostly good, but it's not. Um, how do I put this? It's not like it's it's not romantic, if you will. You know, some people might look at it and think that could, you know that could be pretty cool, and yet I find it sort of workmanlike, and that's that's sort of how I approach the job. And and um, so it's, what it is is it's just like overwhelming in the sense of the pace of things and how much is happening at the same time, and um, you know you, you learn to sort of sort through it all and, and discard what's not important and dig into what is, you know. We have a a question, and I, I you know I think this is a question you've gotten before while you've been on air. Emailer asks, when are you, when are we going to move forward on national CCW reciprocity in light of how I cannot carry in Illinois yeah. and its violence in Chicago, thus rendering me defenseless? So I we get this question a lot. Is there any progress on this, or is it pretty much the same answer? As all yeah, it's, it'd be the same answer. I mean, the the bill's been introduced. I'm a, sp- a sponsor of it, actually a co-sponsor of the bill. Um, it'll be brought up in the Judiciary Committee. Uh, I don't know if, if there's a companion in the Senate or not. Uh, usually, if a bill's going to be successful, generally there's a companion bill in both chambers. They, it starts in both chambers, and then whichever one gets done first goes over to the. You know, at the end of the day. They have to it, the same bill with the same bill number has to be voted on in both chambers. But I, I couldn't give an answer in terms of its progress or its likelihood at this point. But now that you've now that it's been raised more than once, um, let me see if by next week I can have you know some idea. I could visit with the chairman a little bit of the committees and see what see what uh, they think. All right, we'll circle yeah. back on that one. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. If you want to join in, email talk at wday dot com. Your comments for Congressman Kevin Kramer. Whatever you want to talk about, uh, let's talk a little bit about. I mean, I I I know Trump is is just dominating everything, and it's it's hard to talk about anything else. He gave a press conference yesterday, and and one of the things that struck me because I I, I am somebody who is generally inclined to probably like most of his policies, right? Sure. I like what we're doing on pipelines. I like what we're doing on some of the deregulation stuff. I think this is good stuff. Um, what I'm wondering is, and, and I know in the past I have asked you about this, and you said you think some of it is by design. But yesterday when he's in that press conference and he's saying things that are just demonstrably false, such as his his electoral victory being the biggest since Reagan or whatever, I mean, who even really cares? I mean, it's not even really something that matters. 
But he just keeps saying it. Why, why is he doing that, and, and how in the world is that helping anything? I, I think par- part of it is his frustration with the relentless attack by our mainstream media on stuff every day that is not important. And so consequently, he sort of defends the, the in many respects, the non-important stuff. And we see it in, in Fargo. I mean, the Fargo Forum, Steve Stark had a cartoon that was so silly a, a week or so ago. It was, first of all, it was a bad cartoon. Second of all, it had zero humor to it whatsoever and, and nothing clever. Just to sort of attacking, really, Doug Bergam and me, because Donald Trump said hell at the, at the uh, prayer breakfast and some other peripheral things, and and rather than covering the fact that, gee, has anybody noticed that their 401Ks, their retirement plan, uh, that they once thought they might lose is, you know, at, at an all-time record high ever since Donald Trump became president, starts talking about deregulating, lower taxes, more competitive, America-first um, international policies. You know, none of that is sexy enough for the mainstream media, but him saying, what the hell, at a, at a prayer breakfast is a, the biggest news uh, until they made up this thing about campaign people calling Russia. And I think some of what we were experiencing yesterday, and remember, I was with them for better than an hour just prior to the news conference. In fact, right up to the news conference, I was with them. And there's no question he was, there was a sense of frustration that he's experienced because he's trying to do this job and this media just keeps bringing up all this other junk that he has to sort of respond to. Then they get, then CNN gets mad because at a news conference, um, he asks, he lets CBN ask a question instead of CNN. And somehow they, they think that they're entitled to the question because the First Amendment, um, somehow entitles them to have an office next to the, next to the, uh, Oval Office. And, and so I think he, some of it's just, some of it's Trump being Trump. Some of it I think he is strategic. And then I think some of it is just, uh, you know, just sort of pent up frustration that he, uh, released on them all yesterday. But by and large, I can tell you, I, I get very favorable responses from people and realizing most people that, call me to tell me how great he is. I started yeah. out thinking he was great. So, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit on the radio. I actually had callers literally calling in cuz I mean, I'm I'm it's like why are we talking about all this stuff? I would rather talk about the stream rule, mm-hmm. right? I would right. rather talk about pipelines, I would rather talk about um, you know, some of the stuff we're doing on trade policy, not all of which by the way, I agree with Trump on, but right. I, I did I did see something pretty interesting on the uh, the export import bank. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I didn't raise the issue. I, I end up speaking about it a fair bit. A couple of other members raised it, and we, we all there were about three of us that were real engaged in it. But you know, the Export Import Bank was an interesting discussion. One of the things, by the way, with Donald Trump, when you're with him, he is more than capable of answering details uh, of, of a lot of policies. I think he understands he understands it far better than he communicates, and I think he communicates it at a general level sometimes, um, you know, more purposely because he's. You know, he he sees his audience as something other than the people in the room. But on Export Import Bank, that's a, that's been a, a controversy for a lot of conservatives for a long time. The Export Import Bank is a is a bank that that provides backstop funding in many cases, a guarantee or maybe a little bit of uh, you know lender of last resort to help both small and large U.S. exporters uh, finance their sale of. Things. It actually helps governments finance the purchase of U.S. products. And, and a lot of people see this as corporate welfare, and I suppose that's a reasonable conclusion to draw, except for the fact that about 60 other countries have one. And in the United States, is, in fact, is perhaps the most modest one in terms of its the volume and, and the, the share of deals that it gets involved in. And so it, it's, just, it's one of those typical um, arguments, you know, that, Rob, that we hear around North Dakota about 
state-sponsored economic development programs. A lot of conservatives say if if no one else had them, it'd be great to not have them. But since others have them, you can't unilaterally disarm. Well, anyway, Donald Trump is one of the skeptics prior to being president. And he didn't like it. He thought that, you know, you shouldn't have the federal government shouldn't be involved in in these private enterprises by even providing this sort of backstop financing until he became president and started talking to to job creators, companies that use the bank, and realizing that, hey, you know, we can't unilaterally disarm uh, and take away this one. It's not even an advantage, but eliminate or give more advantage to, to other countries and, and their products, especially since he's an American first guy. And so he's been persuaded. And, and so we had a pretty good discussion about that because there are a couple of openings on the Export-Import Bank board that make it unable to function. And uh, so we were trying to encourage him to fill those positions. And he was asking us for names of people to put in those positions. And, and he gets very involved on things like you know, picking names of, of people, and he trusts the people that were in the room, those of us early endorsers. He leans on us a lot for recommendations for positions. So it was it was a good, interesting discussion. It also demonstrates how he, he is a he is a uh, open-minded to yeah. different thoughts and ideas. Well, I I wanted to ask something else because Politico had an article this week, and I think it was something like um, free trade on the prairie or something like that. But it yeah, was the, the, inter- the interview. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. They interviewed a yeah. farmer from North Dakota, and he's mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, he's selling barley to Mexico by way of he's getting it malted in Minnesota and then it goes down to Mexico. Right. And and the impact was that, you know, foreign international trade, I think a lot of people think of it happening out of like, you know, Los Angeles or New York or whatever, not realizing that a lot of times it's happening right in our backyard in this global economy. Right. Obviously, Mr. Trump, very America first. What are the implications for, for you know, for instance, North Dakota's ag community? I mean, the, the, North Dakota has a lot of very powerful, you know, very powerful is the wrong word, very important mm-hmm. foreign trade partners. Yes. What are Mr. Trump's policies implicate for that? Are you worried about his his Ameri- you know quote unquote America first policies hurting us there? I don't worry about it at that level. I worry about it if it gets to a point where we aren't seeing some bilateral attempts and some relationship building. Um, I don't worry about it in general. In other words, he wants to put tariffs. He talks about tariffs on imports. Uh, in the House, we're having this debate on comprehensive tax reform over a um, border adjusted tax system, which um, I could go into more detail on if you want. It's kind of nerdy stuff. And, and I think there are some nice, consistent ways in comprehensive reform that we could we could be doing the right kind of trade policy. He, of course, Mr. Trump doesn't like NAFTA. He wants to renegotiate it. Mexico, you know, he wants to build the wall. And so Mexico, which is an important market, not only for that farmer's barley or hops or, you know, the, 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 the ultimate product, but um, for a lot of other things. There's a story today about... Mexico going to South America to try and sell corn, and um, and you know that's an important U.S. corn market, and so when you don't have these comprehensive trade deals, which I'm not a big fan of, by the way, uh, I, I like more bilateral trade deals, but but if a NAFTA, for example, might prevent that sort of behavior, but if if you're just doing you know one relationship at a time, it opens up other markets to our competitors. I don't know why we don't just have a wide open market with, you know, I don't know why you need any types of comprehensive trade deals. I think bilateral is the way to go, and I think that's what Donald Trump thinks. But is there a ramification for sure? Agriculture, to be clear, agriculture is a major surplus. It's a major trade surplus commodities and products that, that agriculture produces for the United States. And we have mostly deficits with a lot of other products and 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 things that we produce, but agriculture is a net gain, and we we have got to have more markets to feed more people with uh, you know with growing 
yields and new products sure. and whatnot. So it's all about relationships, Rob, and I think that Donald Trump's masterful at relationships. I think his recent activities with Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, his his first meeting with Theresa May from the United Kingdom. I've been doing a lot of Canadian and, and uh, British um, broadcasting interviews because of, of these trips, and, and Japan recently. These are all major trading partners of ours, and I think as he handles these things one leader at a time, bilateral trade deals, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to keep America first. But we also have a, you know, we also have global responsibilities both to our own economy and to, to liberty. Just a couple minutes left. All sorts of headlines. This, this is, you know, for for months we have seen headlines about Trump's ties to the Russians, and yeah. you know, the New York Times had another yep. one. Never seems to be anything direct. It's always unnamed sources and everything. But it, it keeps coming up. Have you ever asked Mr. Trump about this? I mean, have you ever been worried enough to say, hey, is there anything to this stuff? We talked a lot about it yesterday, as a matter of fact, Rob. And and I'm convinced there's, there's almost nothing there. There, I mean, and I say almost because we know that that Paul Manafort, you know, the one-time uh, campaign manager, had a contract with um, Russians before he was, became the campaign manager. It's not like it wasn't known and, and fully disclosed. It's not new news. They keep dredging it up like it just happened yesterday, uh, or that it is new news. Uh, a couple of these other Russian supposed campaign contacts with Russia turned out to be nothing. ABC News basically reported that that uh, there's no there there, um, and so. Yes, we talked a lot about it. In fact, he went into great detail on on what led to the firing of uh, General Flynn, and um, so yeah, we you know we dug into it. And most of us feel, and and when I say us again, there's about eight or nine of us members that are, that are close to him. You know, feel like he he shouldn't let those distractions get in the way of just continuing to do what we're doing, and that is repealing and replacing Obamacare, comprehensive tax reform, you know, a major infrastructure bill, and and that that even he needs to let some of that stuff go while the while the media makes up these news stories and their heads explode because, um, you know, they don't he doesn't see the world the same way they do. So, uh, but yes, it's it's concerning enough that we've had to talk. Now, and also remember that the committees of jurisdiction in the House that would be the Judiciary Committee, Intelligence. Committee, uh, depending on the, the situation, are, are looking into all of these yeah. things. If there's a, a problem that leads to a greater investigation, it'll occur. In fact, in fact, there's even some. I think even the, the Justice Department has been asked to probe some of it. So, um, but none of it's gotten to the point where it's, you know, it's risen to the level of great concern by really right. anybody credible. Well, okay. Well, I I tell you what, we got to go. We went a little bit long there, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk Friday next week. Look forward to it. Thanks. Bye bye. That's Congressman Kevin Kramer. More to come. We'll wrap it up right after this. Don't go away. Tomorrow is a sailing day. Pay me my money down. Pay me. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We went a little long with Congressman Kevin Kramer. Jay Thomas is coming up next. So stay tuned for that. Probably going to have Senator John Hoven on one day next week. And, of course, we'll have another uh, town hall with Congressman Kramer. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. You can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on WDAY AM 970 or 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's anythingblog.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again.